This is season four, episode two of The Breakthrough, and I got Nikki Ellis on with me. How's it going, Nikki? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. So, Nikki, for the listeners who do not know you, can you give some background information about yourself? Yeah. I'm Nikki Ellis. I'm from right here in New Britain, Connecticut. I've been rapping since I was about eight years old mm-hmm. and um, took a break for a while, went to the military. While oh. I was in the military, I found my love for music again. Okay. That's and cool been working on it since and then came back to Connecticut about four years ago. Uh-huh. And ever since I've been back, it's just been like, you know, that's yeah. when I really kind of took it more on the business sense and like, uh-huh. okay, let's really make so when it happen. got serious. Yeah. When I really started taking everything super serious. Okay. When, what made you start rapping? Uh, when I was eight years old, it was when the little Kim not tonight remix came out uh-huh. and I was, at my grandmother's, I was watching BET, the video, because you know, yeah. BET back in the day. BET Jams, right? No, 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 it wasn't BET Jams. It was just um, when I was a kid, BET, every single show that they had was music videos. So it didn't really? matter what time you put BET on, it, it had music, just videos music videos on it. Yeah, all the time. So I was watching the video, it came up, and I remember seeing, like, you know, it's got Angie Martinez on it, it's got Left Eye, it's got Debra, it's got Missy Elliott, Little Kim, and I was like, Man, this is cool. Like, I want to do that. I want to be like yeah. them. So I started writing. And, and you said that was at eight? That was eight, yeah. So how long were you just writing, not really, like, showing anybody your music? Um. Well, back then, I used to show everybody. Like, really? <laughs> just put on little concerts? I just used to, like, I just used to write something in my little notebook, and then mm-hmm. I'd be like, Mom, look what I wrote. And I'd just start rapping for her or whatever. Um. But I just would write, like, little verses. Mm-hmm. And then my dad actually used to be a DJ. Really? When I was younger, and um, he was DJing back when it was like house freestyle music, mm-hmm. um, when hip hop was like really starting off. Like he still has like the Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper Delight record, That's and everything. Cool. Um, so when I started rapping, we still have all the DJ equipment in the basement. So he would like bring me down there, and he would like you know turn the records over to the instrumental side. And he'd be like, uh-huh. "All right, go ahead, rap." So you know, I'd be like, "Okay," and I'd be trying to rap over them or Just whatever. Freestyle. And then um, when I got into middle school, um, I did my first talent show. So that was the first time I wrote like a song. So I took uh, an old 112 mm-hmm. instrumental and I wrote a song over that. And then um, I performed it in seventh grade at a talent show. How and, scared were you going out there? Oh my God. I, and you know what's crazy? As scared as I was back then in seventh grade, I still get that scared before I perform. Like, really? I literally felt like I was going to throw up. It's like, like I a butterfly feeling, right? Yeah, but I literally feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> like, I'll be walking around like I'm really about to vomit. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's a small show, if it's a big show. Like, I literally be like, I'm about to throw up. And then it doesn't go away until I actually, like, start rapping the first line of the first song. Okay, and then it goes away for the rest of the time you're out there? Yeah, and then I snap into a different person. Oh, so that's that's it's like a you flip on the switch and then you go out there and you feel perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm a completely different person when I'm performing. Talk about your performances. What was your favorite one? Ooh, what was my favorite performance? I think the one I did. I think the one I did the Styles P show. I feel like every performance, every mm-hmm. time I perform, I feel like I get better. Yeah. Um. So when my last show was uh, the I opened up for Styles P at DMTS in New Britain. And um, that one, it was just like the energy was crazy. And mm-hmm. that one, and um, last year I opened up for Cardi B at Toad's Place. So awesome. when I did that one, that was like, that one, I really was like throw up. That one, I was really like, I remember DJ Buck looked at me and he goes, you're on in 10 minutes. And I turned around, I looked at my best friend and my other friend that was with me. And I was like, I'm about to throw up. Like I'm <laughs> legit about to throw up. I started sweating. Like everything, and they're like, they're like, my friend Ashley. She was like, here, just drink some vodka. And she started like, vodka. So I'm like, I don't need vodka right now. Like I'm about to go on this so sold out crowd, and I mean, but that was another instance. Like I got lost in it, and I had an amazing time, and the crowd was just vibing so much, and that's what I like. Like when the crowd is vibing and and everything. When they're like, feeling the vibe, yeah, too. that's what I love. But if you make music like we were talking about earlier, where you encapsulate that vibe and the sound, that's when the audience is really going to feel it and vibe with you. Right, right, exactly. That's so awesome. So other than Lil' Kim, who were your biggest inspirations growing up? Um, I listened to a lot of Lil' Kim. I listened to Nas. I listened to Jay-Z, um, Biggie, um, Tupac, 
I listened to Remy Ma, like when she came out, mm-hmm. that was like, I love Remy Ma. I thought she was like, super dope. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I grew up listening to, you know, like Mob Deep and all yeah. that, you know? So once Drake came out, you know, I definitely see Drake as like an influence too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, it was definitely like the females in that era, you know what I mean? was what I was like really paying attention Who's to. Who's your favorite female rapper right now? Right now? Remember my stuff, probably yeah. and Little Kim. I mean, Little Kim isn't coming out with stuff. Yeah, not coming out with stuff as frequently as she right. Used to. But Little Kim is still dope. I she's mean, still she's probably still your Little number Kim. one. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, let's see. What's your opinion on the culture brewing in Connecticut? You said the culture growing in yeah. Connecticut as far as like the hip hop scene. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like I feel like there's so much talent mm-hmm. in Connecticut. Period, but it's hard for people to see it because not enough, like not enough people are trying to get out of their immediate comfort zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of artists who are out here in New Britain, but only people in New Britain know them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then there's dope artists in Bridgeport, but it's like, I'll go out to Bridgeport. I might do a show in Bridgeport. And then I meet these artists and I'm like, yo, they're dope. And then I'm thinking that people in like Hartford know them. And I'm like, yeah, so you know so-and-so, right? And they'd be like, nah, who's that? You know what I mean? So I think it's just like, if we can get out and about more and interact yeah. with each other more and kind of collaborate with each other more, I feel like it will really help the scene, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, with people getting noticed more. Everybody coming together and being outside of just social media together and seeing yeah. faces. Yeah, I think that's like really important. Like last night, I went to the Annoyed show at DMTS and um, I met nasty enough and he's from new britain mm-hmm. and we i mean we followed each other and everything he's like nice that. yeah i know that he's dope but we've never met in person yeah so we saw each other we recognized each other right away obviously through social media and mm-hmm. we started talking and we were like yeah let's do a record together like no but you know right off the bat he, like he likes my music and i like his music so we're like yo let's collab let's do something dope for new britain you know what i mean because it's not enough of that you yeah know what i mean so it's hard it's hard too because I don't think it's just the culture in Connecticut. I think it's the culture everywhere mm-hmm. where um, people are just picking up a, a pen and a pad and they're just writing words that rhyme and they're yep. calling themselves a rapper. Okay. You know what I, I mean? Feel that. And I feel like so much of it now is just people trying to figure out what's going to be their next gimmick to get them put on. You know what I yeah. mean? And um, I feel like where it's harder in Connecticut is that, like I said, people aren't moving around enough. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that you are hearing about more, a lot of shade gets thrown their way. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, that's very true. I think, and I, and it's, it messes up the culture. Cause I'm like, you know, coming up, like, yeah, there was some rap beefs that, you know, we saw when we were younger. Obviously the big one was like the Pac and Biggie and then you mm-hmm. had the Jay-Z Nas. Nas yeah. You know, recently it was like the Drake Meek Mill or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there was like the beefs or whatever, but hip hop was like this big, huge culture and community and, yeah. and, and it was big just, family. yeah, it was just different. You know what I mean? And it's like, now I don't know what the hell half this stuff is that they're calling hip hop or whatever. But I think like, I think Connecticut really can be an amazing hub for hip hop music. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just needs to be more love and it needs to be more work. Yeah. And it needs to be more authenticity. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't feel like there's enough of that. I feel like, wait, piggybacking off of what you said, there was an artist, Snowbrush. She just came out and she's been dropping heat, mm-hmm. and yet she's like blowing up on a big level. Yet people are just showing hate, and it's like, why not just show love? Because she's doing this exactly what we all want to do for the state, but you guys are just throwing shade because she's the one doing it and you're not. Mm-hmm. Like we should just show love, and that's like that would make the state go in a better direction instead of just throwing shade. There's a lot that people don't understand about the snooper situation. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, I think a lot of it comes from the dance. Mm-hmm. The whole dance part of it, there's a history behind that. Yeah. And it's a Hartford history. So with her being from New Haven, she doesn't know or understand the history of it. Those dances are gang related. Mm-hmm. So if you were a kid out in Hartford doing those dances, each one of those dances that she's doing and calling it the Yank Rhythm, which it's not really what it is. If you go to Hartford, each block in Hartford, they do certain moves. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know who's from where. You know what I mean? And okay, it's, so it, it kind of shows you which block you're from. 
Yeah, in a way. And I didn't even know that. And so I did a podcast interview not too long ago and mm-hmm. I got put on about it. You know what I mean? So um, I know that there's a lot. I know that there's a lot of animosity about the situation because of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then you look at the flip side of it and you're like, OK, well, you know, people do the crip walk all over the place and they're not crips. You know what I mean? The yep. crip walk blew up and they're not crips. You know, obviously, you know. So I don't know. I mean. It is what it is at the end of the day. You know, you could love her, you could hate her, you could know mm-hmm. her, you could not know her, you could love the song, you could hate the song. But at the end of the day, she got a record deal. Yeah. She signed to Def Jam. She didn't get no whack independent label deal or nothing mm-hmm. like that. She got a big time record deal off yeah. the record. You know what I mean? And she hasn't been rapping for a long time. That was the first song I guess she really did. And uh, I think she just started rapping like not even a year ago. So I think there's probably some jealousy with a lot of people mm-hmm. with that. Especially if they've been going for like five years or now and they haven't right. done anything. And they haven't been able to make strides like that. But it's like nowadays the the, the music industry is different. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you can't you can't try to go into a label and need develop like labels don't want artist development no more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're gonna look at they they looked at Snow like, okay, she put this record out, it went like viral on the internet. She has all these followers now. She has all these views on YouTube and her thing made world star and this and the third. So that's what they look at. Like, okay, so we don't have to develop her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because now when you go to a label, you have to be packaged. You have to have a team because they don't want to deal with you directly. They don't want to sign you and have to deal with you calling them and this and the third. You have to have a team and you have to have your social media going Popping. crazy yeah. you know what i mean like your social media has to be lit you have to have something viral i, I had a meeting at revolt back in april mm-hmm. and one of the things they were like you know your your instagram is amazing your instagram numbers are crazy but what's up with your twitter like i have like 200 followers on twitter like mm-hmm. i'm on instagram like that's the one i like they're like oh we couldn't find you on snapchat i'm like no i have a snapchat like but i barely ever use it yeah. you know what i mean and personally i don't really like social media and i honestly hate that part of being an artist that I have because you have to do it it's like I have to constantly post I grew up without cell phones I grew up without the internet being like a major part of our lives you know what I mean so you know I grew up when we had to actually go to the library and read (laughs) you know what I mean to figure out our homework so it's like I'm used to just living in the moment and enjoying my time and enjoying my moment I have some of my friends where it's like literally everywhere we go they're Mm -hmm snapping and and they're know. not living in the moment and that's they're why i'm like it. and i'm like man like I, they be like you never be taking pictures of it. i'm like because i just want i don't want to be just looking at everything through my phone i want to yeah. look at things myself and, and enjoy and remember what I'm doing. It. Yeah. right so you know with the social media it but that's what i mean the labels that's what they want to see mm-hmm. so she came out her record was catchy whether you like it whether you don't like it it was a catchy record mm-hmm. Shump did his thing on that beat he killed it. He killed it on that beat. Shump is an amazing producer. And me and him, that's that's my dude. Like, we're like brother and sister. Like, mm-hmm. we got a lot of records that we did together, too, or whatever. But, um, you know, he did that record. She did what she did on it. They did the video, and it popped up. You yeah. know what I mean? So it is what it is. It's like people want to dance now. They don't care if her lyrics make sense. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Yeah. I, I really did not know about the, like, history of yanking it and everything so that's pretty cool to like finally figure it out i want to like interview someone that knows all the facts just so i can get like a full-on history of it because i've been sitting here just watching everything and watching it grow but not really getting that backstory behind Mm -hmm. it and i think that's so key especially if you want to learn about the culture yeah yeah definitely um i myself i learned about it from mike flows because like i said we did that podcast interview and it Mm -hmm. was like a round table discussion when we did it for rejuvenation and um, it was like, that was like the first topic in the thing. And he just took the mic and just told the whole story. It, yeah. yeah. So he told the whole story. If, you could probably even look the interview up and actually okay. listen yeah. to what he says. Yeah. Because I, like I said, I didn't know about it. I knew that it was like dances that mm-hmm. I knew it was like a gang related type thing or maybe not gang related, but block related. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I say gang, but I knew that it was, had to do with the streets. You know what yeah. I mean? So, and there's uh, there's meanings behind each move. So I know where a lot of like Hartford people have been upset. And then especially when she did the video, she didn't do the video in Hartford. She did the video in New Haven. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're already taking the moves and then you're not even paying homage 
to where you got it from. You know what I mean? So, I you. you know, that's where just from things that I've heard, you yeah. know, that's where I see a lot of the That's the a problem. devil's advocate yeah. view of it. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Hey, hi. I I've that's interesting to know like the other side of the story because I've been just hearing I I've just been trying to preach positivity and you know not not have people knock on her but like to to know that that's just why they are salty about the situation it explains a lot more and it makes it like I understand why some people are upset about it but, but honestly truthfully it doesn't even matter who it is and who's doing what I feel like people just always want to say something about something yeah you know what i mean and i don't understand why it's so hard for so many people to spread the positivity because i look at things like you know in this life in this world there's abundance there's an abundance of everything mm -hmm. so it's like you just have to find what's going to bring you what you just need to find where your seat is at the table once you find where your seat is at the table there's plenty of room there's plenty of food you we know what i mean eat. You know, everybody can eat. You know, obviously in the music industry, it's dog eat dog. Like it's a, it's a jungle out here, and you know, it, it's it's a fight to the finish. I don't see it as a fight to the finish. Yeah. I just feel like, I just feel like people don't know where they belong at the table. You know what I mean? They're so, in the wrong spot almost. Right. So I think that that's where certain things, you know, come in or whatever. But it doesn't matter who it is. Mm -hmm. You know, like when the noise started popping off. There was mad people throwing hate about him you yep. know what i mean because it was like oh you know he's creating a lane for connecticut but you know people don't want people to look at connecticut like we're soft so because we're connecticut and i you know i was in the military and you know i've been to college in different yeah. states and i've been around the world and every time i tell people i'm from connecticut they're like there's puerto ricans in connecticut and da -da -da -da. Yeah. i'm like actually there's a lot of us so but people just think it's like rich white people that's mm -hmm. what they associate and then you know, so when you had somebody like Chris Webby, who he's getting a deal, but he's representing the white boy from the suburbs and mm -hmm. he's talking about the weed and the pills and whatever. So, but people are hating on that instead of looking like, yo, somebody from CT got signed, but now that's not, that's not what we want to portray CT. So yeah. now you got annoyed who's making moves, but because he's doing real life records and he's not talking about the streets and drugs and guns and all that, you got a problem with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's There's black, always going to be a problem. He's a black dude from Bloomfield, but you still got a problem with it. You know what I mean? Because he's not talking about the streets, but he's not talking about but what he's he talking about do. his life. He's talking right. about everything that he's he needs to talk about. No fake stories and nothing mm -hmm. like that. You know what I mean? So it's just like, no matter what, people are going to say something. So now Snow comes out, she gets a record deal mm -hmm. and, you know, the record's going to get pushed and this, that, and the third, and it's a problem. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, so it's like, no matter what, it's always gonna be something to say about something. So it's like, you gotta ignore it. Yeah, just go tunnel vision and keep moving. Tunnel vision and keep moving, exactly. I like that. So you were talking about Shump. Who, what are some other producers that you worked with already? Um, The main two that I work with now usually is Shump and 2-4, which okay. is formerly known yeah. as Tynity. But um, yeah, I linked up with 2-4. Both Ford. are nice. Yeah, I linked up with 2-4 through Shump. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah those are pretty much the two i mean like they know my sound they they know me personally they yeah. know you know when i'm going through something and i'm like yo i need this type of record they know where to go with it you mm -hmm. know what i mean so um do they cook it up with you while you're in the lab with them like uh, for the most part mm -hmm. um when i first started going to shop yeah um he you know it would just be kind of more like he would just play me you know beats that he already made and then i would pick through them or yeah. whatever um and nitty too the first few beats that i got from nitty it was stuff that he already had made and then you know i started listening and i'm like oh yeah i want that one i want mm -hmm. that one whatever and then um but just the more time we started spending together as the relationships grew you know i'd sit in and work with them the last beat i actually just bought from nitty last week he um I texted him first thing in the morning because mm -hmm. he was like, I was like, hey, we still good for today? He was like, yeah. He goes, what do you want to do when you come? I said, but I've been going through mad stuff. I need a record. This is the feel of it. This is what I want to talk about in yeah. the record. And he goes, okay, I'll, I'll try to get started on something. By the time I got there at night, he had two different beats ready. Really? And he said, pick the one that you that you like the best for your, your concept. I picked the one that I like the best. And I mean, but- It was exactly what you needed. It was. And it's like, it's, he he knows me though, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So it's like I have a lot of different producers though that um 
come up to me or, or DM me or whatever and and they want to work with me. And you know, I'll listen to their stuff when I get time or whatever. But yeah. as far as like who my main people are, that's really my mains, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So out of all the artists and producers that are out of this state, who would be the next one that you want to work with? Um, I already worked with Mike Flows. We already have a record together. I I would love to work on a record with Annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, he's a great person and I'm a fan of his. So I would love to work on a record with him. Uh, Carlo Rossi from Hartford. I was talking to you guys about okay, him yeah. previously. Um, we actually talked last night about doing a record together. Um, producer wise, producer wise, I mean, I feel like I got the top tier right now. Yeah, <laughs> what's going on? I feel like I got them. So, um, producer wise, I, I don't stick with the, your team already. Yeah, I feel like it's you know, it is what it is with that. If there's anybody that comes up and shows you a beat that like really resonates with you, then you would use it. But like, other than that, you're gonna stick with your guys. Yeah, I like that. Um, so we already did the performance. So what is your relationship with Flawless Affair? Flawless Affair is actually my clothing line. So really? I'm actually wearing a t-shirt right now from it, the originals. Cause a lot of my music, I'm just like, my main thing is just always kind of promoting just being yourself. Mm-hmm. Be you, there's only one you, you know, you're, you're born that one. way, love yourself, rock with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Because so Flawless Affair just kind of is, if you look at the logo, the logo is a, a diamond that's not all the way filled in. So oh. the reason is, is because nobody's actually perfect. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're Beyonce. I don't care if you're Rihanna. I don't care, you know, who you are. Yeah. Nobody is truly perfect, whether it's on the outside, whether it's on the inside, whether it's both. Nobody's truly perfect. So you're just supposed to feel like you are. Love yourself and just feel like you are the bomb. You are <laughs> like, the perfect version of yourself. Exactly. So that's why I did the diamond that it wasn't all the way filled in because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, just showing that you're not going to be perfect, but you just got to feel perfect. Yeah. You know, just just love yourself. So the T-shirts I have right now, they say the originals on them mm-hmm. because I just wanted to promote, like, you're the original. Yeah. Be the original. Be you. Be you like you, you, you know you are. Yeah. That's dope. I like that. So transitioning from that, what was your relationship like with Dinnerland? I saw a couple of your earlier videos who were with them. Yeah, Dinnerland, um, it was crazy how we linked up. Because when I first moved back to Connecticut mm-hmm. um, four years ago, I had a friend that I linked up with. And, um, you know, he was like, oh, you know, let's get your first video going. Because I had never done a music video before. So he was like, I know a few videographers, you know, that we could use. They're out in New York if you want to go. And I'm like, yeah, you know, let's go. Yeah. So it was crazy because I sent my deposit to this one videographer and the dude pulled out the night before, the night before the video. So mind you, I'm like, I have been working like double shifts at my job to be able to pay for the video and everything. And you were ready for this. Yeah, and I, I, I literally have been working like double shifts two weeks straight and I've had that one day off to go shoot the video. And the dude cancels on me at night, last minute. So my homeboy at the time, he reached out to Dinnerland and they happened to be available. So we did the first video with them, Live in the mm-hmm. Sky. And then I did two more videos with them after that because I really liked the work that they did. You had the right energy with them. No, nah, they're dope. I mean, they're they're just like a really dope creative team. And they're just cool people like in general, like to yeah. vibe with and everything. They're, they're super dope. That's what you need. You need people like that that want to help you like push your vision. Right. That's a, that's a big thing with videos too. There are a lot of people that are like videographers that will just try to get the video done but it's like yo if you're sitting there and you got people that like that are paying you money to like make their vision let's mm-hmm. sit down with them and try to like actually see what they want to do with it right right exactly so a, a big question i wanted to ask you how have you learned to keep pursuing your craft while being the best mother you can be uh, it's not easy man um it's definitely a balance in that um it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I have times where, you know, it's like I'm supposed to be working on music. Or I'm supposed to be doing something. And it's like I just stop and I just try to be with my kids because I'm like, I feel like I don't see them enough. You know, yeah. and it's like with the traveling, you know, going to L.A., going to Texas or wherever I have to go, New York. I actually go to school in New York. So I commute back really? and forth three days a week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I barely see my sons. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, it's like, I miss them like crazy. Luckily, my husband, like, all day while I'm in school, he's sending me pictures when he gets out of work oh, and picks nice. them up. 
he's sending me pictures of them and videos and stuff. And, yeah. you know, I'll be sitting in class looking at him and just cracking up. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. It mm -hmm. really, really isn't. And it's just like, I just have to, I constantly have to tell myself that everything I'm doing, every sacrifice that I'm making right now, every mm -hmm. day or time that I have to be away from them is all for a greater purpose. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, my dream isn't my dream anymore. My dream is my kid's dream. This is my dream for my kids. Like, yeah. I want my kids to know that anything in this world is possible. If I can do it while I'm holding down a household and I'm raising my kids and, you know, I'm working and I'm and a you're going to school. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I do so many things. Like if people followed me around for a day and saw like my days, they're bananas. Like I'm up at four, between four and five o'clock in the morning every day, no matter what time I went to sleep at night. Yeah. I get up, I work out before everybody else wakes up. So this way I don't have to worry about the kids. And then if, for some reason, one of my kids is awake. I take them into the other room and I just put the gate up and work out with them in there. Yep. And um, once I'm done working out, I go down to the kitchen and I cook breakfast for my husband and I cook dinner. Mm -hmm. So I cook dinner for me to take to school and I cook dinner to leave at the house. Yeah. So I'm cooking dinner at like six o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, after that, I have to get Cameron ready for school yep. because I got to get him on the bus. Then it's the time waiting for the bus, then I have to get my little one ready to take him to the sitter. And then in the time between Cameron getting picked up and Jason having to go to the sitter, uh -huh. I'm usually doing homework or I'll try to work on some music or whatever. Or sometimes I just will sit and watch TV with my son and just- You deserve that inside. though. So, and then after that, I gotta drop him off, go gas up, you know, go do what I gotta do. Mm -hmm. And then I run out, you know, I drive to New York and then I'm in school for four hours and then I drive, drive back. back. And then if my kids are awake when I get home, then I put everything down and I hang out with them. Yeah. Or most of the time now I'll go straight to the studio. Like I'll come back out here, I'll go straight to the studio or I usually schedule meetings or something and yeah. you know, so. Wonder Woman, that's crazy. <laughs> Definitely. Wow. A little bit of everything there. Yes, a lot. At least your days aren't boring. <laughs> no, they're far from it. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm never bored. I'm just super busy. Yeah. But never actually like bored. I feel like people that are busy all the time, if they aren't busy, then they get like even more bored than a regular person. Oh yeah, there's definitely like all the time that's how I feel. You I'm have like, to be doing something. doing something. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So can you talk about the process of making your EP Beautiful Struggle? Beautiful Struggle. Um, I actually worked on that entire project with Jordan Meyer. Mm -hmm. He's from Enfield. I think I might be following him on Twitter, actually. Yeah, he's amazing. He actually used to be Mob Deep's in-house producer. Really? Yeah, years back, he used to be Mob Deep's in-house producer. So um, I got introduced to him, and we were recording. He used to live in uh, the Hartford um, art space over there. Okay. Um, I think it's on Asylum. Mm -hmm. But he used to live over there, so he had the studio set up at his, at his apartment, and you know, right there, just yeah, studio. Yeah, um, but he actually had like a whole like real booth like built in his living room. It was crazy. Really? Yeah, he actually used to work for like a glass making company, so he made the glass for the booth at work. It was yeah, it was dope. Um, like he made it himself and everything. So that's insane. Um, yeah, but he was real cool because he used to let me bring my son with me at the time mm -hmm. I only had Cameron and he was little little. But he used to let me bring bring him with me and he would like sit him on his lap while I was in the booth and he would let him hit the buttons and stuff. That's and, cool. Yeah, I, I honestly like thank God for every producer that I've worked with or uh -huh. engineer that has allowed me to bring my kids because there's been plenty of times where I didn't have a sitter and I'm like, I don't want to miss my session. And yeah. they'd be like, no, it's cool, bring them. And I thank God for those people because I remember being, I, I had a session one time where I had to bring my son and like the dude was just like, nah, like, and I'm like, so I have no other choice right now. You know what I mean? So it was what it was. But yeah, so working with Jordan, um, back then at that time, that's when I was like fishing for beats on SoundClick. Mm -hmm. So I go on SoundClick, find beats, you know, from different producers or whatever, lease them and, you know, and then I start writing. Yeah. So when we did Beautiful Struggle, um, Jordan really helped me develop a lot as an artist through that because 
you know, he showed me different ways and different things to add to records that I wasn't doing before. Originally, you know I mean? yeah. Right. So it was definitely dope having like his guidance and stuff like that. And even when I work on music now, I'll still kind of think back to like some of the stuff we did on Beautiful Struggle to mm -hmm. just like make each record a little different or whatever, you know, to add something to it. Um, make it unique. Yeah. But I mean, Beautiful Struggle, that took like a few months for us to get finished. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once it was done, I was really happy with the end product. That's awesome. So now we're going to go into our next segment, which is discography details. And this is, I'm just going to list a couple names of some songs. Just tell me a story of maybe the time when you were recording it, if the time when you were writing, something popped in your head, anything that really reminds you of it, even the video, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the first one is Live in the Sky. So Live in the Sky, I actually started that song as like a freestyle mm -hmm. over um, Common's blue i think the record was blue sky i think it's blue sky blue that sky. common did mm -hmm. um but i used that instrumental and like that first verse i had wrote actually no i think the whole song i had wrote over that beat originally mm -hmm. um except the hook like the hook i came up with after i got the new beat um but yeah live in the sky that was actually when i first started writing it and i i was saying like i'll see you up in the sky or whatever I had a little cousin that passed away. My so, um, yeah, thank you. So when he passed away and I was like kind of writing the record and that mm -hmm. was like, well, I was like, I'll see you up in the sky and whatever, whatever. Um, so with that one, that was just, you know, one of those, I, I'm living in the sky. I'm going to be, I'm going to fly high and I'm going to live my dream. And, you know, that was that one. Yeah, that's awesome. How about All Night? All night, that one was just, I got the beat. And when I heard it, I just was like, I just, felt the vibe like right away. And then I, I actually wrote the chorus that the girl singing on. Mm -hmm. um, so every now and then I can get in my little R&B bag and <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing it, but I can write it. So, um, but little yeah. Little ghostwriter there. Yeah, so I I wrote that record. That was just, yeah, like I said, that one was just like, when I heard the beat, I just kind of felt the vibe instantly. Instantly, yeah. yeah. And then you just went with it. And then I just went with it, yeah. That's sweet. And you recorded that all in one night, you said? Um, no, wait, did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I had, um, I had Isan come to the mm -hmm. studio at, at Jordan's and she actually knew Jordan from a long time ago too, because they've been working together. So she came through and, um, yeah, we, I, we did that in that one night. Do you like recording more in one night in one session, getting a song done? So you keep the vibe or are you okay with coming back and being able to keep the same vibe that you did earlier? No, I like coming back. I like you to do? I like to be able to review my record, mm -hmm. and this way, I've learned like um, before, like even when I put out Beautiful Struggle, like I was so excited. It was my first like real project. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was so excited to put it out, and then it's like I'm listening to it over and over again in my car, and then I'm like, damn, it would have been dope if I like threw this ad lib in right here, or oh, I should have, I could have like tightened this up just a little bit better or whatever. You know what I mean? So. Things that other people wouldn't notice about it, but me as the artist, I'm like, okay, I probably should have took a little bit more time to do that a little better. So now I like to record it once and have it yep. run through. And honestly, there's some records that I have where I've recorded it that one time mm -hmm. and I'll go back and I'm like, you know what? It's cool. Like, I like my energy on it. I like the vibe on it. Let's go ahead and mix it down. You yeah. Know? And then there's other times I'll sit with it. I'll play it in my car. I'll, you know, listen to it in my headphones, whatever. And I'll be like, all right, cool. Let me go in here. Let me re-record these verses with a little bit yeah. more energy or let me, you know, dim it down Sass, a little bit yeah. for the vibe or, or, you know what, I want to change the way I said this, whatever. And, I, you know, I'll do it like that. I feel that. That's cool. How about Walk With Me? So the story behind Walk With Me, when I got that beat, when I first heard that beat, I fell in love with the beat. I was just like, damn, like this is like, like when I heard it, I was like, this has to be something powerful. Yeah. You know, just the way that the beat is. So um, I, I was previously in the military and I felt like the beat had a really militant vibe yeah. to it. So I was like, okay, what do we do in the military? We marched, we walked together, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, that's when like the kind of walk on me thing started. And the song really got inspired, like as far as like, you know, really bringing the song out and like writing. Um, when I was in the military, I had a friend named Shane and um, my first base was in Japan. So we had okay. like our whole crew that we hung out together in Japan and, you know, we all were getting separated around the same time because we all had tour dates that were ending around the same time. So a few mm -hmm. months span, 
So Shane left. His next duty location was New Mexico. A few months down the line, I go to Turkey. And um, it was crazy because Shane put up a post on Facebook. Um, and he was like, I really miss my Masawa fam. That was the name of our base. It was Masawa Air Base. So I remember commenting under it. And I was like, yeah, I miss everybody too. I miss our old crew. Yeah. And a week later, I woke up to this group message. And it was like, guys, I'm really sorry to let you know what Shane took his own life last night. And really? that like crushed me. Like I was so upset because like Shane was definitely a different person. You know what I mean? But yeah. once you took the time to get to know him, he was like the best friend you could have asked for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, like he was just like, he was funny. He was just like, he was just a cool person. You know what I mean? Yeah. But right off the bat, even the first time I met him, I was like, who is this guy? You yeah, know what I mean? But then I, off a yeah, then I started to get to know him. He had like a real like grumpy old man face. We used to call him the old man from up because he looked just like him. And, you know, like, he, and it was so funny because his job, he worked in dental. And uh-huh. he, they always had him sitting in the front to, like, check, check the um, patients in. Yeah. And I'm like, why do you guys have him in the front? He yeah. always looks mean. But, uh, but he was really, like, a dope person. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe him going to his new base, maybe nobody took the time to get to know him and maybe he felt lonely or whatever. But... That was with the whole walk with me because it was like I wanted to show people like you're not alone. No matter what mm-hmm. you're going through, somebody's going through it. Somebody's been there. And that's why when we did the video, I wanted the video to just show like kind of different scenes. And actually there was supposed to be more scenes for that video, mm-hmm. but not everybody that was supposed to play part showed up. So I had to work with what I had. Even um the dude that's in the jumpsuit in the video, that's actually my husband. And he wasn't really? even supposed to be in that part of the video, but the jumpsuit was a double XL and nobody else was big fit enough it except him. to fit it. And the other people that were possible was supposed to do it didn't show up. So he stepped in and, and took over that role. But um, yeah, for I, just, him, though. That's... I just wanted to show like, you know, when the girls getting evicted, it's like, you're not the only one that's ever been evicted. You mm-hmm. can get through this. Come on, walk with me. Let's, let's figure this out. The dude that's, you know, playing the drunk on the side of the street just because you know you drank a few times or whatever or even if you are alcoholic but that's not what defines you at the end of the day mm-hmm. come on let's do this together walk with me yeah walk with me you know so that was just the point of that record you know mm-hmm. i like that that's really powerful i love that record so much like that is one of my favorite records because it just i know when i, I know where it came from in mm-hmm. me you know what i mean and when i was writing it and how i felt and what i wanted to be behind it you mm-hmm. know what i mean so i love that record so much it holds a special place in your heart. Oh, it definitely does. That's sweet. How about Do Ya? Do Ya, that was another one where I heard the beat and I just kind of caught the vibe. And then and this the, was with Alicia Richards, right? Elijah Richards. Elijah. Yeah, he um, he's one of my boys. He's from Bridgeport. Um, and we we wrote cool, whatever. So I hit him up and I was like, yo, you know, do you want to do this record with me? And yeah. we had been talking about like doing a record together. So based off of like the music that he's made, I was like, I don't know, the vibe of this one is probably gonna be good for you. So when I sent it to him and I sent him my verses, he was like, oh, this is crazy. Let's do this. Let's do it, yeah. And then we got to the studio and he did his verses. I mean, he did his chorus and I was not expecting his chorus at all, but I was like, hey, I rock with it. It's cool. People love the record, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that was just another one, like catch the vibe. Yeah, just catch the vibe and then bang. Yeah. Now the big one, Red Dot. Red Dot, that's my jam. That one's fire. Thank you. Now that's a bop. What? So with Red Dot, actually, um, I went to Nitty mm-hmm. and I said, Nitty, look, we need a Bodak Yellow. I straight something like that. I said, we need a Bodak Yellow. I said, give me, I said, make me a beat that's on that wave. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He said, all right. So he started working on it. I'm sitting there, you know, I'm vibing to it. And then I was like, I came up with the hook mm-hmm. right then and there. And then I was like, all right, bet. So he gave me the beat. I went back home, wrote to it a couple of days later. I recorded it. And then that was one that when I came back, I was like, yo, mm-hmm. we don't need to add nothing to it. I just, I think I had to change like a couple bars because I, when the first time I recorded it, I made a couple of them too wordy. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me take out a couple words and just fix this. So Make it, it like, sound better, yeah. Better. And I just punched in, re-recorded those few bars and that was really it. I mean. And then bang, you got a hit. I love that record. That, yeah. I like the, it's like, I like when I can, I like, you know, talking about real life stuff. Mm-hmm. I like making music that people can relate to. But I love when I get to talk shit. Like, <laughs> I love when I get to talk shit on a record. So, Red Dot, that was what that was. I was like, yo, I'm just going to 
Talk my it, shit. I'm like, what does Cardi B do on Bodeg? Yo, she's just talking pure shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's that bitch and she's talking all the shit in the world. So I was like, I'm about to just do that with Red Dot. And that's what it was. I like it. And last but not least, I do freestyle. The I do freestyle was another one. I was like, okay, I dropped Red Dot a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm gearing up to drop the next new single. So I was just like, I just wanted to have some fun with um, yeah. with the videographer. She's actually my my photographer, Lorena. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Rena Star, she uh, you know, she did my creep freestyle video and she did my Fuji Live freestyle video. So she had been telling me before, like, yo, when we gonna do another video, when we gonna do yeah. another one. So I was like, I was like, you know what? I said, I'll do another freestyle. And then I was I had my phone on shuffle. I was yeah. running and I had my phone on shuffle and the Cardi B and the I do came up and I was like, oh, I'm about to do a freestyle. So I went home, I downloaded the instrumental off of YouTube. And then bang. And then I just started right into it and I called her because she loves Cardi B. Yeah. So I called her and I'm like, all right, you definitely gonna want to do this video. And then we showed her. You know, it. Yeah, I showed it. I sent it to her and then we just did the video like two days later. But we were just having fun. Yeah. So that was just like I said, I like when I just get to talk shit. So yeah. my next record that I'm dropping is gonna be like a serious, mm-hmm. you know, real life record. So I said, okay, before going I back drop to that, that, I just wanna go talk some shit. So get the ignorant time, just go, bang. Yeah. Cause like I mean, it's just fun for me. Like yeah. I just I like when I get I like doing things where I could like show off just it's a lyrical bars. sport. Yeah, I like when I could just show off my bars. Mm-hmm. So that's what like I do. It's like back in the day when they had the battle rap and stuff. Just yeah. Like being able to showcase your talent. Right. So like I said, it was just like, all right, cool, let's go to the skate park and let's do this. And went back to her house and we did the black screen. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I want to black and white it. And she gave me the video like a day later. And I was like, all right, but let's drop it on Friday. So got it out. Cool. Yeah. That's was just for, that one was just like for fun. Yeah. So we are going off on the future endeavors and the outro. So what do you have planned next? I know you said you have a single on the way, but yeah, um, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent on which single is gonna be. I've been in the studio like crazy, just working mm-hmm. on records, working on records, working on records. So um I actually have a few that I've been working on too. There's a producer, Rich Breed, that he's from Connecticut as well. Okay. Um and I've got like five beats from him mm-hmm. back in December and I still haven't even like three of them I've like wrote and finished and yeah. then like two of them I have the concepts for, I just haven't finished. But um his beats are just like so dope. Like he actually did Annoyed's like whole first mixtape. Really? Um, yeah. So that was how I had heard of him. Was that like Burgundy something? Was that his first one? The Once in a Burgundy Moon or something? Like yeah. That. I forgot. Which I don't one. know if it was his first one, but I I, I. I know Rich and him did like a whole or almost a whole mixtape together that was on that pip. So um, like I don't know if you know Annoyed song Monday. Yeah, I, I'm so he sure. did that beat. Okay, and um, so you know, I was like, man, you know, I, I heard about him, and then I ended up linking up with him through mm-hmm. through Shump actually. Oh, so okay. I linked up with him through Shump. I got the beats from him. And, and you stuff. said this was Rich I Am. No, Rich Breed. Rich Breed. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like I said, he's from out in Connecticut. He had relocated to Atlanta for a while. Now he's just mm-hmm. kind of back and forth from Atlanta to Connecticut. Cool. Well, um, like a couple of those records, I'm like, man, like maybe one of these, like, yeah. you know what I got to drop next. Um. I have another record that got produced by George Pettis. He's um, like a he's in the Grammy League. Mm-hmm. You know, I met him down at South by Southwest. He's real dope. Um, I have a record that's produced by him. Okay, and that one's like a really real real life record, and it's gonna be featuring Britney Crush. She's a singer from Hartford. She's nice. Yeah, love Britney. She's a beautiful person. I we really want to try to get her on the show sometime soon. She's so nice. Yeah, she's she's dope. Like I. That's my homegirl. Like we 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 actually mm-hmm. built like a really dope friendship together through through working on music together. That's so, cool. Yeah, and um, so I mean, like, there's that record. Like, I just have like a lot to choose from right now. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. make sure that whichever record is gonna be the follow up from Red Dot, it has yeah. to go all the way in. You know what I mean? Okay. Whether it's on the real life side or whether because mm-hmm. it was like you know I did walk with me and then I dropped do ya and I dropped the yeah. way of life and I dropped red dot and it's been so much love on all sides from all of them so I'm like okay I have to just keep stepping it up and I gotta keep elevating yeah. so you know it's just it's hard keep I, have, on moving I have such a big catalog right now mm-hmm. so it's like really just trying to figure out what's gonna be the next one what from the vault is gonna actually be released what's good you know it's crazy I have a whole EP that's been done for a year that I never released really that the way of life and red dot are actually on that EP uh-huh. 
and I haven't released it. Will we ever get to see it? Um, I might do something. I might do something for it. I'm actually thinking about giving it away for free. Mm-hmm. Putting on SoundCloud or something. Not even. I don't even know. Honestly, I'm figuring it out still. Mm-hmm. What I want to do with it. I. I mean, it's completely done. The cover is done. Everything. Yeah. So it's completely done. I've just been sitting on it. So hey, I see what I do with it. I'd love to hear it. So our next little thing is we ask you, where do you see yourself in one year, five years, 10 years? Just a little 30 second window, just whatever you feel. So first one is one year. A year from now, not living in Connecticut anymore. Okay. <laughs> I really want to move. I really want to mm-hmm. relocate. Um, I'm done with school in March. So me and my husband have been talking about going out down the, down south or maybe going to LA. Oh, cool. Um, it's just a little hard because we have the kids and the kids yeah. are still small. So, you know, with that, we have a whole support system here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm, in a year, my goal would be to at least be out of Connecticut and be somewhere where I can be in the scene more. Yep. What about five years? Five years, I see myself definitely having a record deal by then. Also, definitely winning an award or two in the next five years. I see it. have to have one. I have to have one. I see it. It's coming. <laughs> You got that stage presence. You go, go out there, have your little speech. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can already see it. You got to manifest it. Oh yeah, definitely. That you know, it's crazy. That's actually what happened. Um, I truly became a believer in that um, with the Cardi B show. Really. I had put it out there. I said, within the next six months, I am going to perform at Toast Place. Mm-hmm. So I was like, within the next six months, I will be performing at Toast Place. Mm-hmm. So. Every show that was coming up that I was hearing about that was coming to Toast Place, I literally was hitting up the DJs from 937 that I'm cool with. And I was hitting up the different promoters that I know that usually bring artists out. And I was like, hey, who's doing this show? Who's doing that show? Do you know what the details are for this show? So when when I heard Cardi B was coming, I hit up a couple of my promoter friends and I hit up a couple of the DJs that I knew from 937. And G Money the Prince actually was like, oh, Hot 937 actually took the show over and um, they're going to be picking the opening act. And he was like, if you want to, you know, open, email DJ Bucks. I was like, bet, give me his email address. Emailed him. I sent him a few records, you know, mm-hmm. talked about myself in the in the email a little bit. And then I hit up the other people that I knew in 937 and I'm like, yo, I need you to talk to Buck. And I yeah. need you to vouch for me. I need you to make sure he opens that email. Two days later, I got a call from Buck himself, and he was like, "Yo, I checked your stuff. Are you dope? Come, I want you to open up." I was like, "Yeah." I was and jumping you got up and down. I was hyped, but that and that was within two months of me saying that. Within the next six months, I'll be performing at Souls, and sweet. I got to do it without having to pay no promoter, no money, mm-hmm. and nothing like that. And, you just did it, and I got to do it, and it was amazing because it was a sold out crowd. It was Cardi B, and it's crazy because Cardi B's fan base isn't my fan base yeah you know what i mean so to get as much love as i've got from these people that did probably didn't know you as much as yeah you. and the, the amount of love that i got at that show it was just bananas it was crazy that's sweet that's awesome how about 10 years 10 years um 10 years the big the big picture for me is i don't want to just be an artist mm-hmm. like i I want to have, in the next 10 years, I see myself having my own studio because I've always wanted to own my own recording studio, which is why I go to school in New York. I go to school mm-hmm. in New York for audio engineering. Oh, so cool. I'm learning producing. I'm learning um, I'm learning producing. I'm learning the engineering mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, um, and I'm, you know, we'll be learning some of the business aspects, things like that. But, you know, I've been learning how to work on, like, the big mix consoles. We've been working on the SSL. Like all which, the big boards. Yeah, all the big boards, everything like that. So um, 10 years down the line, I definitely see myself having my studio um, and I don't want it to just be, I'm, my plan is not for it to just be like a regular studio. I want it to be a whole creative space and environment yeah. where people can come in and you can get photo shoots done. You can do videos, you can, you know, just all kinds of stuff. You can come and you can get creative there. Cause I know sometimes mm-hmm. with me, like my world is so loud all the time that I don't have much time where it's just me and I can just write, you know? So I definitely want to make a whole creative space where artists can come and and work, you know what I mean? And truly work. So that's my goal with that. I also, in the next 10 years, see myself running um, a foundation. Um, I really want to do something 
where it's either scholarships or I'm I'm not exactly sure what it is that I where I want to take it, but like yeah, you know, recently I actually did a fundraiser uh, for a family in New Britain. Their son is only two years old. He's mm-hmm. actually turning three tomorrow. Um, their son is only two years old and he has cancer. He has yeah. stage four neuroblastoma. Um, you know, I have kids, so I can't even imagine what this yeah. goes through. But you know, the mom had to quit her job when her son got diagnosed. They're living off of one income. You know, they have another child that they're taking care of, and then mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. You know, with the chemo, with the surgeries, and this, that, and the third. So, you know, I was I reached out to her and I was talking to her about everything, and I said, you know what? I said I want to do a fundraiser for you guys. So I reached out to a bunch of different people in the community. Everybody mm-hmm. came through, volunteered their time and services. That's amazing. And I mean, it was it was just really dope. And we raised a good amount of money to help them out. You know what I mean? With because he was about to go get another bone marrow transplant. So, you know, and he has to go to Boston. Mm-hmm. So the mom with the commute and everything like that, like the money definitely came in handy to help out with the commute and food and things like that. So, um, you know, after doing that, I was like, man, this. This was like a good feeling and I want to help more people. So I was like, I want to figure out a way to keep doing this. I definitely want to do something for, you know, like young girls. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because um, me as a woman, I get it where, you know, where things are so divided. You know what I mean? Where it's like career wise and school wise and everything like that. It's like, you know, in my life, I can't just be I can't just go to school and focus mm-hmm. on my schoolwork or whatever the case is like. I have to still be a mom and I have to still be a wife. And like, there are certain things that are just still expected of me no matter what. And I mean, my husband is a great help. Like, don't get me wrong. My husband is an amazing help. But at the end of the day, it's like certain things where it's like, you know, as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, I'm more on top of these things of getting certain things done or whatever. So, you know, I just really, part of whatever foundation I do, I do want to do something that's geared towards females and like just helping them with like pursuing their dreams and Mm -hmm. things like that so i mean my big thing regardless with my faith over fair movement with flawless everything is just about like being you and pursuing being the originals being the originals and like just you know pursuing you and just pursuing your passion there's so many times where you hear people like they're so afraid of judgment from other people and whatever that they don't do what they really want to do you know what i mean so it's like i really want to do something in the future that is going to be able to help people find their passion and grow Good for you that's that's what we need in this world nowadays Definitely. honestly we need more help yeah <laughs> more help let's eat preach that so is there anybody else that you'd like to shout out before we end today's interview um shout out my husband q shout out my kids cameron and jason um i mean just shout out everybody who's been supporting me Shout out Dale for coming through and taking pictures for me today. Thank you, man. But nah, I mean, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. No, it's, it's our pleasure. It's been I I enjoyed this a lot. We we try to make it so it's like really personal and it's down to earth and it's not some industry stuff. We're just trying to really help the culture move forward. Connect Connecticut culture. Yeah, definitely. We need it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. And this is the end of the breakthrough season four, episode two. Thank you.